CFAX 1070 was 35 this morning. Is number one this afternoon. And by golly, let's take a look from that fantastic 1070 weather tower right here with the big disc jockey son, Red Robinson, as we go back in time. Back in time. Back in time. Good seeing you, pal. How are you? Nice to see you, Terry. And uh, I guess a lot of people wouldn't know that uh, J.P. Richardson, who uh, did, uh, uh, did Chantilly Lace, he wrote it. Uh, he's he was known as the Big Bopper, but he was a DJ out of Beaumont, Texas. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. And did you also know that uh, when that hit came out, uh, what were you doing at the time? Do you remember w- w- when the song came out? Yeah, no, so- no, no idea. <laughs> no, who You're, am I? Do you <laughs> do you? We don't know yet. Do you remember playing it and getting the yes. request for it time yes. and time and time again? A huge hit, yeah. huge hit. Yeah. When I was working at uh, CJCA in Edmonton, Radio 93, with all the echo chambers and all the stuff, you remember all that, oh, that sure. garbage went through? Absolutely. We even uh, did it with our transmitter. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure we did. And and uh, even used tin cans to try to get the echo effect sometimes. I mean, those were crazy days before technology is what it is today. And you're still broadcasting out of a garbage can and for I'm that still, echo. And I'm still, I'm still in the can. What can you I tell you? that. What can I say? Red Robinson has joined us. Hey. He is what they call a legendary <laughs> broadcaster across this country, across North America. America. He is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He has been involved in this business for, we don't even say the years. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter to you. It matters to me, pal. It also <laughs> tells me how old I am. But also, we look at the issues we, as we deal with Red Robinson. This is a guy that not only is in, the, is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he is the guy who brought the Beatles into Vancouver originally, emceed that show with that absolutely mad storm of people uh-huh. at Empire Stadium, and also was the guy uh, just recently who traveled to Across Canada uh, for for RCA yeah. and the Elvis Presley uh, the compilation of all of his major hits. Thirty number one hits, yeah. Thirty number one hits, and also interviewed Elvis Presley. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and have you been to Japan? You've got you you put tapes together over the years. I mean, you are what they call a walking encyclopedia of a world of popular music. Thank you so much. It's Thank wonderful you. to be here. That's now that it. I've now had give that me my fifty bucks, and I'm getting out of here. All right, here we go. A lot of fun in this business over the years. It has been, and I, you know what always amazes me, like when RCA um, uh, commissioned me to do the uh, the promotion for Elvis and that, it, I, I've, been, I've been a very lucky guy, Terry, you know, and, and I always count my blessings that way. I was in the right place at the right time, at the right age. Uh, when I started playing rock and roll in this country, I was a kid. But then, so was Buddy Holly and Elvis. Every all of us. Everybody was. Yeah, you yeah. look at the photos, and we're all kids hanging around together. You know, uh, we never thought it would last either. That's funny. You know. Yeah. I say I say to people, you know, they they, they come into my office. They go, you met Buddy Holly, and I say, oh yeah, photographs. You know, I always took a photographer with me, and I said, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, what a great uh, seer he was. You know, he could they had vision. None of us did. Uh, in an interview in October 1957, I say to Buddy on tape, you've heard it, yeah. Buddy. How long do you think rock and roll is going to last? He said, well, Red, till Christmas, not much after that. <laughs> he didn't say we the year. We were kids. No, we <laughs> were kids. Yeah, you know. started at what, 15, 16? 16, yeah. 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 But you see, uh, I was talking to a reporter earlier today. Radio was dying, and so were the movies. Television just about destroyed them. And, and people actually thought radio would disappear. And it didn't, of course. But what saved it was a youth culture. They save movies because they would go see James Dean. Sure. Well, other movie theaters have got Cinemascope and 3D and, you know, widescreen Spectorama. Sure. And there was nobody there. And they went, hey, hold it here. Why is everybody lining up for this James Dean kid? Actually, you know, Terry, when you look at it realistically, James Dean was the first rock and roll star who never sang or played a guitar. That's right. 
He was because yeah. of the attitude. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 He, had, he had the edge. First major film, Rebel Without a Cause. Yes. Uh, it, it plays even today when it's in reruns uh, on the on the screen, on yes. the small screen. You get it, and people say, man, did you see that film? Gosh, look at the kind of talent that guy had. He was probably potentially one of the greatest actors that Hollywood would have ever produced. Yeah. Uh, Motion picture actor. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing uh, uh, about uh, Dean was that uh, he was, when you look at it, the first teenage star. Yes. You know, I, I mean, so. we all thought yeah. we were James Dean. You yeah. know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. And then Sal Mineo? Sal was in that uh, movie, too, yes, definitely. And Natalie Wood. You know, it's isn't it awful? Every one of them who were uh, featured in that movie is gone. Even Jim Backus, who played the dad. You know. With tragedy. Yes. You yes. Know, just, you know, tragedy when you take a look at those. Yeah. Now, the other night, there was a special on on Paul Anka. I saw it. Now, here is a Canadian kid who wanted to get the heck out of Ottawa, who <laughs> knew who knew in school that, that, that he knew exactly what he wanted to do. This totally. Kid, he was writing tunes when he was 12 and 13 years of age, for goodness sakes. Yes. This guy today is one of the biggest names in the music industry still in the United States and has made himself hundreds of millions of dollars and is still going strong. A determined guy, uh, a very good business brain, as Dick yes. Clark has. There's yes. another guy with a great business brain. And uh, a, a determined one. And still, there was an interesting insight on Anka very quickly there uh, last night. It was last night on the uh, uh, screen or the night before. Uh, uh, the documentary said Paul uh, never lost track of uh, where he was going. I think it was David Foster from Victoria who said he gets up there and performs as if he's still... Uh, you know, going to have hit records. Yeah, you know. still, still trying to chase the number one record. Yes, and maybe that's the attitude that we all should have. I, I agree with that. But when you saw him also on stage working in Las Vegas yep. and uh, and and seeing what he does, you can see why why the why the adrenaline rushes there and yeah. why he he you get into that spotlight and yeah. he sings those tunes. I mean, the guy is impeccable the way he handles. It. Doesn't have a great voice, but has great showmanship and knows how to handle the crowd and loves every moment of it. And has a great ear. There's and no doubt. I mean, he's picked some Absolutely. beautiful music, you know. I mean, he could walk away from the industry right now and never have to worry about another dollar, aside from what he's got in the bank. But, I mean, the, the Johnny Carson theme that he made money from for oh, over yeah. 30 da, years. Da, 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 yeah, da. yeah, and, yeah. and, and uh, he wrote My Way, gave the song right to Sinatra, said, this is your tune, and look what's happened to that. And wrote She's a Lady for Tom Jones, and too. So, now, when you started as a disc jockey and you were involved in that whole situation when you in very early years. Did you have a sense as to what this music was going to mean to yes. North America? Yes, I've got to say I did. Um, I saw what was happening in other markets. But you know what? I think most good things in life come from an inside feeling. You feel yeah. that this is going to happen, and it does. I don't think it's a miracle. I just think it's, it's your senses are alert to it. Uh, yeah, I remember arguing with my fellow DJs who were all older. I was a kid. And they said, oh, these guys, these Paul Lankers and that, they won't be around years to come. Oh, they won't be here. Uh, well, my God, uh, you know, they've uh, rock and rolls lasted longer than they thought, too. Swing lasted 10 years. Yeah. Rock and rolls lasted 45. 50. And look what's happening in the music industry today, Red Robinson, coming back into some of the stuff that was done, some of the old standards being recorded by some of the major stars today who you would never think could even carry a tune. That's right. Yeah. And a lot of the artists do that. I mean, Celine Dion has uh, one of the oldest 
Bowie's out right now. I'm trying to think of the title of it. Uh, but a lot of the, a lot of the contemporary artists are doing the old songs. Yeah, know? they are. I mean, and 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 when you take when you when you see how they the whole recording industry has changed. I mean, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And you were in on the ground floor of the development here, not only in British Columbia but right across the country. When we come back, yes, I want you to tell us about uh, when they when you found out that you were going to become. Uh, I mean, you're in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame in BC and in Canada, but when they wanted to put you in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right. uh, how you felt when you got that information. All right. Red Robinson, a legendary broadcaster in British Columbia across Canada, the guy who was, was responsible uh, starting at the age of 16, for gosh sakes, with all of the sock hops and all the things that he did <laughs> in order to bring uh, modern music to the kids who wanted it so bad. He's got lots of stories. I'm sure you have as well. Our telephone number is 386-1161. Star 1070 on your ATT and on your TELUS Mobility. You can also email us, talk at cfax1070.com. There's more of Red, more of Red Rock Diner, and more of the music from Red Rock Diner coming by in just a few moments. Stand by. Bobby Day and Rock and Robin. That goes back a few years, and so does the guy in front of me. He's been around the rock and roll scene and music industry for a long time. Red Robinson, uh, who has had a uh, a show uh, centered around his early years as a disc jockey. Uh, just before we get into talking about you and uh, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as Shannon Kowalko, our promotion director, is in the studio with us. Tickets on sale for uh, Red Rock Diner that is going to open on the 28th, and all of us from here will be at that opening mm-hmm. night. Uh, I have seen the show. I was there, as a matter of fact, the, you the first night, the opening night that you were there. And thank you. And it was a wonderful night. Uh, where are the tickets available, and uh, and how long is the show running? Royal and McPherson Box Office. Yeah. And so the, the usual outlets, as they say. It opens on January 28th, yes. which is the Tuesday, and runs through until February 2nd, Sunday. Right. Every night, 8 p.m., and then on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, there is also a matinee performance at 2 p.m. And this is the opening. You're starting in Victoria, Red. For the whole national tour. For the whole national tour. And and how many cities is it playing across? 32. 32? 32, yeah. And Victoria gets to to launch it. Actually, it's going to be interesting for me. I've never been to Halifax. Right. But we're going to go there, too. You know, so it's going to be from Pacific to Atlantic. It's going to be amazing. One of the things that people should know about this show as well, though, is that you're not actually playing in the show. That you're there. That that you will appear there doing a little bit of a setup with the people and talking to them. But but you don't appear on the stage. No, I don't. And the other thing I'd like to just say, Terry, if I may, uh, people may misinterpret this. I make no money from this. Yes. I don't have any investment in it. This was a tribute paid to me. And, uh, you know, how can you go uh, after the, something like that and say, oh, I'd like some money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, I mean, they take care of me flying around and stuff like that because I put a face on it. But, sure. But, uh, you know, I just don't want anyone to think that, uh, you know, uh, somehow this is, you know, a deal that I'm making money off. I'm not. I wonder, did you have a say in the the person who's who's playing you? No, but I'm so pleased with, uh, with Paul uh, McQuillan now. Who, who is Paul? Can I just say this? Over Christmas, if you saw a commercial uh, for Future Shop, a man's riding along in a carriage with his girlfriend, yeah. and she says, I love you. And he looks like, you know, he's not sure. going to respond. Yeah. And then uh, they're having dinner in a nice right. restaurant, and she says, I love you, and he yes. won't respond. Yes. Then he gets to the house, and he unwraps his Christmas present, which is a big widescreen TV, yes. and goes, I love you, and he grabs her. <laughs> That's you saw him? that come out. That's yeah. Paul. That's, That's Paul. Oh, is it? Yeah, and oh. Paul, Paul played Richie Valens in the uh, Broadway yes. and, and London productions of Buddy Holly. Yes. Or, or Buddy, rather. Yeah. Yep. So he's so he's playing oh, you. He's good. playing me. Now, it, it takes it takes place uh, in, in what stage of your career? Actually, uh, you know, it, it, it's a little po- uh, poetic license and all of these things, but it's basically supposed to be uh, two days in 1957. 
the first half of the play is all about me playing music on the radio and the kids dancing and jiving and jumping around at the Red Rock Diner. Yeah. You know, because we all had a sure. soda shop or a, a diner or someplace we hung out. Then the second half is the... Uh, a graduation uh, a party at King Edward High School where I went yeah. and uh, th- there's a talent show as part of it and it is it is hilarious because it's audience participation yeah you know they do a medley of songs like Susie and Sharon and Shannon and sure is that your name then you get up on stage and they play musical ch- it's it's so much fun yeah well that, I think that for for the price of that ticket and for the for the time that people are going to have you want to talk about bringing back memories and look what happens with all of these tours that are going on right across North America with totally. some of the old stars yes I, I mean it's huge I just want to say too that I'm just a little bit younger than than you two no but no. I am really excited no. to see this show like you know it might be perceived that if you weren't you know, if you weren't sort of in your um, the height of your you're in your twenties or something right. at just, that time, okay? just be kind. It's okay. <laughs> no, but I know, but, you know I wasn't even no, born sure. then. No, but so you're aware of the music. I'm a, completely yeah. aware of the music. Yeah. I I enjoy the original music. Um, I hear a lot of the the remakes. Yes, you know, there's that's there's, right. Sure. On um, our sister station, B1073, the promotion that we're doing yes. to promote Red Rock Diner yeah. revolves around the remakes. So. I, I guess I just wanted to say that, that as a, a younger person, um, it, it's an exciting show and something to really look forward to. And I'm So audience participation, that... Oh, it's un- unbelievable. Oh, and 20% of the crowd, interestingly, is like under 30 years of age. Yes. Wow. And the reason for that, they're aware of the music because of movies and commercials. Yes. You know, today, movies and commercials uh, carry a lot of that. I mean, remember sure something about Mary and they had uh, Build Me Up Buttercup? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the foundation. Yeah. That, oh, that, sure. That kind of, so yeah. they're... The young people are aware of it, and I think they they like to go and see the roots of rock and roll. Why all of a sudden this music yes. exploded, and and what were, what were the kids, which is now you know mom and dad or maybe granddad, yeah. why were they you know why did they go crazy? It was the first youth culture ever? You know, you try and find a reference to the word teenager prior to 1954, five, right? right. No, mm-hmm. wasn't. They were the first power, uh, powerhouse youth culture. When you brought the Beatles uh, into Empire Stadium, I can recall running a contest. I was a disc jockey doing the morning show in Calgary at CFCN. You sent people out in buses. We sent people out in buses. We had stuff going on all the time. And I can recall when that was happening. I mean, the town was going nuts. I mean, we were playing. Every time we'd put on a Beatles tune, we had a request (laughs) line. You know the story in request lines in those days. We actually played what people wanted to play. Nowadays, you (gasps) don't. What a breakthrough. Yeah, what a breakthrough. (laughs) Nowadays, you don't. You phone a request line on a radio station today if you want to hear a tune, and they say, yeah, sure, we'll play for you, because it's in your format, and it'll end up on the air at some point during the course of the day, but they never actually put it in for you. No, no. You know, they may may put your name on sometimes, but that'll that'll be it. But the point is, when you put that concert together, how did you get involved in that, and how did you hook the Beatles in? Well... It was a national tour, and we wanted the Beatles there. And I think they came to Vancouver because Presley uh, had come in 1957, yeah. uh, seven years earlier. And uh, actually, you, you say I bring them, uh, brought them to town. I did not. A promoter out of Toronto yes, brought did. them in. Yeah. But then they wanted me to, uh, to help them with the promotion and be the MC of the show. And uh, that's the night that uh, Vancouver went uh, crazy again. They, they had with Elvis, uh, so much so that he did a 25-minute concert and left. <laughs> so they got out of control. And when I look back, what, what was the main reason? You know, all the write-ups and everything, don't give the main reason why people got out of control. You imagine Empire Stadium or any huge stadium, football stadium, 
and they never sold seats on the grass, you know, down with the, because the stage sure. was set up, an artificial sure. stage. And so the kids are 50 yards away. They ran down on the field to see their yeah, heroes. They, sure, they want right? to touch them. Yeah. And they didn't have enough security, so they got out of hand. So Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager, after I think of the second or third song, said, Red, you're the MC. You're going to have to get up there and, uh, and uh, tell the crowd to calm down or the Beatles are leaving. I said, Mr. Epstein, I don't want to do it. Nobody should interrupt the concert. I, you know, you get up there and do it. And the chief of police is standing right beside him and said, that's your job. So I walk up after the end of Love Me Do or Please Please Me. And I'm walking out on the stage and I hear the voice screaming at me. Get the, fill in your own word, off our stage. Nobody interrupts a Beatles concert. It's John Lennon. So I, there's a photo of me and John. I'm over talking to him saying, listen, look down at the foot of the stage. There's Brian Epstein. He told me, to, and the chief of police told me to come up here, or you guys are out of here. Oh, carry on, mate. But why is it I said to my kids, I'm going to end up, long after I'm gone, being <laughs> recognized and remembered as the guy that John Lennon told to off the stage? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be it. So what's on my tombstone? <laughs> Red, Red Robinson one day said to John Lennon, and he said to him, Mike yeah. Blank, yeah. all right, we'll be back after the 10.30 news. We'll continue. We'll talk more about Red Rock Diner. We'll talk more about Red Robinson, the history of rock and roll in Canada, and more of the great music from that era. Thank you. Stand by. We'll be back after the news. Tequila. <laughs> Boy, does that bring oh, it back, doesn't it? Man, man alive. You remember this tune? Oh, very much okay. so. Okay. I was going to ask you a trivia question. You were going to ask me, but I'm going to ask you one about this. Uh, first of all, it was with a group called The Champs. That's correct. Right? Yeah. And uh, where did that name come from? Don't know. Okay. The record label is called Challenge when it originally came out, yep. owned by Gene Autry. For gosh sakes. So add Champs to what Gene's horse's of name course, was. Champion. Champion. That's where they got the name The Champs. Isn't that something? Yeah. Tequila. Tequila. We were talking about Paul Anka yeah. okay, a yeah. little while ago. Um, you remember when they did the tour across Canada, and you'd recall this when they when they took the bus. Sam Cooke, uh, there was Frankie Avalon. Oh, there was the, the show of stars. The it show, was called the show of stars. There was uh, there was uh, let's see, Sam Cooke. Uh, he was the lead. There was Sam Cooke. There was Frankie Avalon. There was uh, Paul uh, Paul Anka. The, the Buddy mono- Holly. Buddy Holly. The Monotones. A whole uh, list of them. They got to Edmonton. Okay, and right. I was working as a disc jockey at CJCA. Do you remember those days? Yes. And <laughs> my job was to take Frankie Avalon around. I was the disc jockey assigned to Avalon. Another guy was assigned to a Paul Anka. Now, the criteria was to show them around the city a little bit, uh, keep them occupied, take them for something to eat and do all that kind of stuff. Right. And make sure that they got back to the Edmonton Gardens for rehearsal, okay, because they had the orchestra, Nelson Riddle, a whole bunch of stuff going on there, okay, with the, with the band. Right. We couldn't, we, so Avalon and I, I'm, I'm taking them up and down the streets of Edmonton, I guess he's ho-humming, uh, you know, in those days, and and uh, and I said, gee, look at the time, we got to get out to the Edmonton Gardens at 4.30, and, right. and I said, uh, and so I, I said, where's Paul? And he said, uh, he said, knowing him, uh, he'll be late, and he's probably watching movies. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. Well, of course, no video machines in those days. No, of course not. So what did we do? We had to get the other guy that was in charge of him, and we had to skulk through about three movie houses down Jasper <laughs> Avenue, and sure enough, sitting up in the balcony and going through it for about the third time that day, there's Anka sitting there watching the movies, grab Anka, Avalon, the whole gang, and we're out to do rehearsals. That was an interesting tour in 1957. 
1967, The Show of Stars, uh, managed by Irving Fell, yes. who owned uh, Ringling Brothers uh, Barnum & Bailey uh, Circuses, but he knew a good thing when he saw it. But in that, on that tour, Buddy Holly was part of it, and Paul Anka wrote, It Doesn't Matter Anymore for Buddy While Touring Canada. My gosh. On a bus. My gosh. Yeah. And the kid wrote all the time. I mean, oh, he's just, a good just, writer. Just never quit. All right. Now, let's get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when you got words on that, and then we'll open, get the phone lines going here. Oh, I love lots to of people want to talk to you. Go Cause, ahead. Because you're getting on my nerves. Of course I am. <laughs> and you too. So go ahead. <laughs> so there, fella. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, I had a phone call, and it said, Red, um, you uh, have been elected to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And by the way, as opposed to artists who are inducted, yes. we were elected by people at Spin Magazine, Rolling Stone, yes. and I, th I think they had a bank of about 25 program directors in America and uh, Canada. Yeah. And they said, we've chosen you. Well, I'll tell you, I was on the phone. I just broke into tears. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, what is this? What a trip. And they said, your contributions along with the early days, uh, the pioneer days of, uh, of rock and roll. So Carol and I were invited to go. It was Labor Day, 1995. And uh, we went to this celebration. The, the tickets for dinner, by the way, were 1000 bucks each just for dinner. And so Carol and I got to go, and it was just a, a thrill of a lifetime. Uh, sitting at our table was Benny King, who did Stand By Me, Dion DeMucci, and uh, John Fogarty of Creedence Clearwater Revival. I heard that name for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dion DeMucci, and, yeah. and, Cre and from Creedence Clearwater Revival, John Fogarty. Sure. All wonderful people. We were all excited. Here was a monument to all of their lifetime of work. And then they, uh, that, that was the dinner. And then the next night, 80,000 of us are in the old Cleveland Brown Stadium. And the guy comes on stage and says, it's 7.30 at night, uh, just about. He says, ladies and gentlemen, I want to hear everybody in the audience go, go, Johnny, go. So we're doing it. And all of a sudden, they go live to HBO. And out on the stage, of course, go, Johnny, go, comes Chuck Berry. The show goes on <laughs> until 3 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. But here's why you'll never be able to buy a ticket for a concert like this. Okay. In the middle of go, Johnny, go, who steps out in the middle to help him out? Bruce Springsteen. My gosh. They go off. Bruce comes off. And then he does his numbers. Then on comes Robbie Robertson, the band. On comes Bob Dylan. John Bon Jovi. I mean, the list goes on, act after act. I want, at one point, you know, nature called, and I didn't want to go. I, I just said, I, who's, on, who's up on the stage next? It's Ray Davies of the Kinks. I'm not going yet. It's Ray Davies. This went on. You could never buy a ticket because they volunteered their time, right? Oh, And they man. had this huge band, which was... Uh, Booker T and the MGs, oh, yeah, sure. which is the Memphis group. Sure. I used to think with the little cars, the MGs. Yeah. <laughs> but MG means the Memphis group. Yeah. Fabulous band. And then James Brown comes out, and then little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis, oh, yeah. and it goes on and on till 3 in the morning. All right, we're going to set, up, we're going to set up the monotones in the Book of Love in just a few moments, but let's get to some phone calls here for Red Robinson. Our telephone number is 386-1161, star 107 in your ATT and your TELUS mobility. Let's go to line one. Mickey and Sydney, thank you for holding. Go ahead, Red. Oh, hi. Um, well, I remember you from King Ed. We went to school together. And uh, I remember going to Pal's Cafe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Up on Oak Street there. Pardon? On Oak Street, yes. Yep. And uh, you were down in one of the radio stations when you were first starting out, and we used to come down there at night and uh, sit in the outer room with you and talk, and then you'd run out between records and that. Weren't they fun times, though, Mickey? They were great times, and I don't think anybody had any thoughts about where they were going. They were just sort of having just, fun. Just hanging out and having That's fun. That's true. You know, Mickey's uh, summed and, it up beautifully, yeah. And I, uh, but, but, you know, you really brought music alive for us kids. 
And um, Becky, you've got to get some tickets for goodness sakes and come down to the McPherson and see Red Rock Diner. You'll go crazy. It's like it's all about those days, Mickey. That's why it's well, kind of fun for I me. Bring my saddle shoes and my white socks. Absolutely. And my long skirt and my my cashmere sweater with all the boys' pins on it. And you know what you're going to love the <laughs> second the second half. Mickey opens up with a huge banner across the stage for the King Edward High School oh, yeah. grad party. Yeah. All right, Mickey. Great. And when is this? Uh, it opens on the 28th of January, and it runs for five days. And McPherson Box Office is where you get the tickets. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Let's take another call here. Let's go to uh, Mike downtown. Go ahead, Mike. Good morning, Terry and Red. Hi. Uh, coincidentally to the uh, tequila tune, just happened to meet uh, Hugh and Duvall, who was recording in the studio at the time and got to partake in the vocals. That's how Little Boy Blue. Song. Little Boy Blue. He had a hit called Little Boy Blue. That's right. Yeah. Uh, just wondering, Red, any uh, contact or memories of Jackie Wilson possibly just uh, sort of still blown away by him? Great petite. Oh, yeah, he, he, he blew me away. You know, Jackie appeared a couple times at the Cave Theater restaurant. And uh, uh, when I spent time uh, with Elvis, you know, Elvis opened in 1956, a year before he came to Vancouver, yeah. uh, at the Frontier in uh, Las Vegas and bombed. The reason he bombed is that, uh, you know, the kids weren't allowed to go into the... Uh, the uh, clubs there. Of course, he made up for it when he made his comeback in 1970. But uh, I, I said, uh, you know, who are some of your favorite performers? He said, Red, have you seen this guy, Jackie Wilson? He said, he was playing in Las Vegas when I was there, and I went over and uh, watched his show, and he said, the guy could move like crazy. He was one of Elvis's favorites and one of mine. Jackie Wilson was just unbelievable. He was on that tour uh, that I was talking yes. about in Edmonton when he won that that uh, that uh, show of uh, Show of Star Stars. Show yep. of Stars. He yep. was there with uh, Avalon and everybody else. Was, you was like him, Mike? Pardon? Do you, you like Jackie? Uh, his vocals are just incredible. Uh, just uh, Reed Petit, uh, yep. Lonely Teardrop. Now, I just have to pick up... Uh, well, now, listen, you're a singer, for goodness sakes. You've recorded a little bit. Give us a little bit of that Reed Petit. I could not venture oh, in that direction sure at all, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Petit, the sweetest little girl you ever want to meet. Yeah, exactly. Great uh, song. Anyone uh, can get a hold of that. Uh, it's definitely uh, something to compare others to. That's a keeper. All right, pal. Thanks Thank for the you, call. Mike. Thank Let you. me take a short break. We'll return with legendary broadcaster Red. Get tired of legendary broadcaster. Legendary. Just right. Let me write that down. All How right. do you spell legendary? I have no idea. Listen, I'm, that's before we found computers. All right. We'll be back with that's Red just remark I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> the Monotones and Who Wrote the Book of Love. How long did that stay in the charts? you recall that? Oh, quite a while. Yeah. It was a great uh, song to dance to. It was doo-wop. Oh, yeah. Doo-wop. Doo-wop. Yeah. yeah. Doo-wop. Now, the difference between doo-wop, uh, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, what do we got here? Well, doo-wop, you could take uh, four guys, put them on a street corner, and they could sing, almost like barbershop. Yeah. You know, they would just uh, kind of uh, four-part harmony. Yeah. Not discordant, like the four freshmen and the Beach Boys uh, did, but yeah. a different yeah. kind of a, an approach. Was it, what, uh, what, is it classified as rock and roll? Oh, yes, absolutely. Doo-wop is a, is a part of rock and roll. Absolutely. It's all, and it's all the mix. Because so, the, the, the line between pop music and country music today is so fine, you can't even tell it anymore. Well, you know what I call it? Rockabilly, when rockabilly. you think about it. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, in the studio with us is the is the legendary morning man. Gene Autry. At, at yes. CFAX 1070. <laughs> uh, riding his horse champion into the studio. Oh, Here is oh, oh, the saddle source that there. I get. Oh, oh show down there. <laughs> all right, here's Al Farabee. Listen, you... Uh, 
you, you, how long have you been a disc jockey now? Oh, uh, you know what? Right. I'm coming up on almost year twenty. Now, when people call you a disc jockey as yeah. opposed to a broadcaster, yes. uh, do you see any any? Is there any difference in what you do than what he than what he used to do? I, Except I, that he's a big star and you're still rising. Exactly. Yeah, okay. I, well, I just copy everything that he does. That's essentially what I've done. Since Boy, I that could be trouble, business. wouldn't it? Hey, Red, do we know some stories? Not everything. Okay. <laughs> Red, uh, to be honest, Red yeah. is one of the guys when. I was growing up because I'm a Vancouver guy. Sure. Uh, listening to Red on the radio, he was one of the guys that, can, man, it, that that's a cool gig. I want to do that gig. Now, you're going to be working with Red, so. too. When? Is it next week or week after? Uh, I believe it's next Friday, isn't it? Yes, it's it next is. Friday. Here. Yeah. You're I'm coming in to show? be his guest yes. on the morning show. Yes. And they're going to, uh, I'll be comatose, but uh, they're going to prop me up, <laughs> prop me up in a chair and go, because, you know, I used to get up all those years. Oh, man, between yes. CKWX and CIL, I, a total 20 years, yeah. I did mornings getting up at 4 o'clock. And it's the only downside, isn't it, Al? Because I, lo- I love broadcasting. I know you do. But those hours are killer. Oh, I know you've done it too, oh, Terry. Oh, killers. They're, they're killer. totally killers. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm glad I got an afternoon show now. When I fill in for Joe, when he goes away, I said, Joe, Joe, how long are you going for? He says, two weeks. I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> right. Let, let's, let's take another call here. Let's get to uh, Brandon Sook. Brandon, you there. Go Good ahead. morning, Terry. I am. And Red, what a, what a nice to speak with you. And what a trip down memory lane. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've heard of so many shows you put together, but uh, let me take you back okay. to 1956. All right. Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto was billed as uh, the first rock and roll concert. Yes. You remember it? Well, and it came here in June of 1956. It was Bill Haley and the Comets. You, you got to serve Fats Domino, Blueberry Hill, among so many others. And I, I, please tell me that you, it was you, your expertise who put that uh, show together. Oh, absolutely. But um, uh, Bill Haley uh, was an, uh, an amazing guy, probably one of the best interviews I ever did, a very articulate man. And he had been a Western swing band leader, was Bill Haley and the Saddlemen. And uh, anyway, to make a long story uh, uh, short here, I uh, interviewed him backstage, and on tape he says, well, this is the end of my career. I'm going, what, it's 1956, you've had a couple of years of hits. He said, no, there's this young cat out of Memphis, Tennessee, he's got the looks, he's the right age, because Bill was 35, 36. He said, uh, he's going to overtake us and we're going to be finished. I, and it's so hard to believe at that point. I mean, this was the biggest selling rock and roll artist around, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, nice man. So, so I'm, I'm right in, in, in my reflections back in 56. It, it, was, it yeah. was your talent that, that put that show that's together. Right, that's right, sir. Yeah. Toronto. You grew up in that, Toronto? Pardon? Did you grow up in Toronto? Yes, sir. Well, did, did, uh, then, then you must remember, you see, rock and roll wasn't really on the radio in Toronto. No, it wasn't. You know where they listened? WKBW in Buffalo, George Hound Dog Lorenz. That's right. And yeah. later, a guy called Dick Biondi. Yeah, well, you were doing it long before Chum ever Oh, yeah, because they, well, Chum came on in the summer of 57. Oh, sure. Now, the other thing, too, is, and listener, they uh, uh, make sure that you pick out some, get some tickets for uh, at the McPherson for Red Rock Diner, because you want to have a, an evening of nostalgia. You've got to go and see it's the show. It's a time machine. <laughs> you can bet I'll be, I'll, I'll be there in my in my uh, charcoal gray Azuz suit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be there opening night. Come up and say hello, will yeah. you? I, I, will, I will most definitely, sir. You guys, uh, like to, this is a real treat this morning. Yeah, wear your blue jeans, your penny loafers, and your and your, and your your football jacket if it still fits. <laughs> well, no, back in those days, it was powder blue. You're oh, right. Yeah. You're right. Powder blue jeans. I, I got to tell you a story about that. Red had a 50s party over at his house many years ago when yes. I first came to the Vancouver market. He and Carol put on a great party. Yes. And you remember when you told us all to come in, in, in our 50s outfit? Oh, yeah, dress up. And, yeah. and I had a 
go to a pal of mine who lived in uh, Vancouver to uh, to get the school sweater. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, he and I were about the same size in those days at high school. <laughs> but boy, was it funny when when everybody showed up trying to wear all their high school stuff. I had the school <laughs> sweater on because I, I, I went to Skona in in Edmonton, yeah. and I got the big S on. I got all the stuff on here. But I got to tell you something: the the, the waist of that sweater. I said, somebody shrunk this puppy. You know, it's up a halfway <laughs> around my chest. No. <laughs> actually, fun, fun actually, times. that is a true story, and I could never yeah. figure out. You know, they were called letter sweaters. Yes, they were. You know, and in his letters were BS. <laughs> he got the right school. I thank you. We'll be back in just a moment. Burnaby South. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Chuck Berry, Johnny B. Good. And one of the things that people forget about, too, about the whole rock and roll era, that this was a combination of the of the rhythm and blues from the from right. the from the from the black population of the United States into the and, and, and then the country filtered, blues. And the country blues, and then put together and then brought in some jazz riffs into the whole that's thing right. and put it together and that's what built rock and roll no question about it it uh, really basically started to happen when the guys were coming home from overseas uh, where the uh, the black boys heard the, uh, the, uh, the white boys blues you know Hank Williams personified that oh, sure and uh, and vice versa so yeah it's a hybrid no uh, question let's let's get to another telephone call before we wrap in this today let's get to uh, line number three and let me get to uh, Ralph are you there Yep, All I'm right. here. This is going to bring some memories back for Red. Go ahead, Ralph. Got a missing link for you, Red. Portland, Oregon, KGW. KGW, Sound 62, Portland. Yeah, it was, uh, what, 1958, 9, something 59, like that. 59-60, yep. in the U.S. Navy and came back. And when you left, KGW had opened up the uh, door for me to go in there. So uh, you leaving KGW opened it for me, and I worked... 23 radio stations over 17 years as a result of all that. <laughs> well, welcome to the business. Welcome to the business, Ralph. Yeah. How many years did you work as a disc jockey? Well, 17 years, uh, but I did other things, too. And, uh, and you followed Red into his time slot in Portland. I didn't yeah, know that. I, I went the weekend the thing, uh, but when Red left, yeah. um, then I got the weekend, and then I went on from there. But I got a question for Red about that time. I was under the impression that when you left KGW, that you went and did some military service, and I thought maybe it was even U.S. Absolutely, Ralph, it was. I was uh, uh, at Fort Ord, California, where I was stationed, and, uh, you know, in boot camp, you can't get out and do anything, but as soon as I could, uh, you know, get leave from the base, I uh, worked weekends at KMBY in Monterey. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I didn't come back to uh, Canada till 61. Oh, yeah, because when I was in the Navy out my in duty. the ocean a couple hundred miles out, we used to listen to CKWX, and you were on there. Oh, yeah, 50,000 watts. driving yeah. force for us, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're a, you're a legend. He is a legend. I think what I always say about when I see you on TV, Red, I always say, hey, smile. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for your call. Thanks, let, me take, let me take one I'll more call and we'll wrap on this. Go ahead there, line four. That's Robert and Sue. Go ahead. Yes, good morning. I have a question. Uh, this is Keener 13 from Detroit. And I want to know why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ended up in Cleveland, Ohio, and not Detroit, and I'll hang up. You know, no, yeah, okay, thanks, Robert. Uh, it could have ended up probably also in uh, uh, Philadelphia, when you think about it. Sure. But the reason it ended up there, and this was a large argument that went on for years, and I'll be very uh, brief with it, uh, Robert, the, the reason it ended up in Cleveland is because the guy that coined the phrase 
rock and roll who did this with on telephone books yeah and uh, you know to the beat of the music was a man called alan freed who worked in cleveland and then moved to new york he was so huge and had such a huge following that's why it's in cleveland listen i am delighted to see you pal thank you so much for coming in and spending time with thank us you, in the Terry. studio the 28th of january it opens uh, the red rock diner uh, tickets at the mcpherson playhouse it's going to run for a period of five days and you're going to love what you hear and you'll love what you see as a matter of fact some of the music that started red to set up this uh, the rock around the clock i call this the first national anthem of rock and roll because it was in a movie featuring canada's glenn ford and sydney portier it was called blackboard jungle when this song came on the screen kids and audiences all over the world believe it or not for the first time got up in a theater and danced we'll be back with you this afternoon let's go out on, on this one one two three o'clock four o'clock rock five six seven o'clock eight o'clock rock 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, rock, we're gonna rock around the clock tonight. What you glad to 